another episode in our second season here at the banter pub fc the sauciest team in the game the spiciest takes on the pitch in the pub today we have myself adam and in addition neil jonathan joseph and ama here to bring you a lot around the pitch uh also a, a big thing happening in copa italia in the milan derby and some upcoming watch-alongs that we invite you to join with um, us on uh, February 6th through 7th. Well, we'll talk more about that later. But first off, let's start and talk about the U.S. Women's National Team and what's going on with them. Who wants to take the, the lead on that one? I mean, you know, we saw, uh, you know, um, a, I think a much... Uh, between the U.S. women's team and also the U.S. men's, um, both teams are significantly blacker. Um, uh, there, there, there has been a significant uptick in melanin infused into <laughs> the U.S. women's national team. Um, Just a touch. Did you notice? Did you notice that? And as a result, you know, we, you know, played a Columbia side that. Um, Columbia's men's national team, I think, um, is significantly better, certainly, than our men's national team. Um, and our women's national team does what they did in the recent World Cup. Um, they trounced Columbia, um, made it look easy. Um, you know, uh, it was a battering. We don't even need to be kind. I mean, it was just, it was, I don't know. It was like watching an Alfred Hitchcock film. Do you know what I mean? Like it was just, just straight up murder. <laughs> it's just straight up murder. I could not believe what I was watching. Like part of the match, I was actually watching with my hand covered over my mouth because they were getting shelled out there. It was real bad. Yeah, so I was. There were, sorry, there, were, there were there were two matches, right? There was two friendlies, you know, so they didn't count, but there were great opportunities for both teams to show their talent. And I think in the first match, um, Colombia was a little below strength because they had, uh, you know, COVID protocols yep. to adhere to. So yep. they didn't have like three or four of their starters, something like that. And then, but then the second match um, where the U.S. women's national team had an even blacker line, mm -hmm. um, it was just incredible. Like, so yeah, both both matches were were slaughters. Yeah, but the second one is the one that I caught, and that was the one that was, as you mentioned, Arma. That was the one was just like, 
oh my god <laughs> like it just i was actually looking to all the officials to be like you guys are going to let this go on like you you read, we're going to do all 90 minutes of this okay cool so yeah, I was, they, it was it, they got conor mcgregor they really did tapped out tko and I, yeah and i mean i guess we you know when you pointed out that like colombia's men's team is much is better than the american men's team or the united states men's team at this time I think you have to acknowledge also that like the South American women's team, say for Brazil, a lot of those teams are actually catching up in the women's game just because of like those societies that are a bit more, well, I mean, most societies are patriarchal, but in South America, a little bit more limiting to women. I think when you look at even like, if you look at the distribution, even in the world cup for the men, like obviously Europe has the most, but I feel like Comable has like the second most, right? But um, and that's because of ranking and so forth. But then when you look at the women, there's only I think like I mean, and again, that's a smaller World Cup. But there's only three I think spaces for Comable as opposed to like the men and Asia. Whereas in the men's cup, it's like I think it's like three, and they get a playoff or something like that. Whereas in the women's cup, they actually get five spots. So it just shows you like those societies that maybe historically have been more um uh supportive of the women's game at least are further so the columbia the the talent level is just not caught up to like what the men's equivalent on the other side because they probably just started to maybe get some of the resources to their game um associated with it yeah i mean they i mean and they have talent if you watch if you watch the games you could see you could see that they you know they 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 have players with with ability um it's i feel like some of it uh, had to be a lack of you know playing together like have opportunities to play like in the covid year i wonder how many times they actually got to play well we well we know the women's national team uh u.s women's national team got to play several times not as many as uh 2019 obviously but in 2020 they still had you know uh, several matches i don't know under under 10 but like more than five i'm sure um whereas i i would i'm surprised i'll be surprised if columbia had more than two you know what i mean so well, yeah because well, because it takes resources yeah it takes resources but it also um you know i think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention because it 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 got glossed over as as expected in u.s media um and world media as well this is another instance where uh, the players um, did the bare minimum of kneeling, most of the players. And of course, white players still stood. Um, now, there are significantly more black players, as we mentioned before, playing in the U.S. women's national team. Um, and what this means is there's more of an opportunity for white players to at least do more than do do the bare minimum of saying i acknowledge your existence by kneeling in solidarity and the white yeah, players who were starting I, I, and on the bench didn't do that shit again they failed again yeah and it is an abject failure of you know the us soccer structure if you want to call it that but also specifically these players um I I don't know what it's going to take, um, and I fear, frankly, that what it will take is one of these black players, these black women players, putting their life on the line 
um, potentially, uh, or their life being under threat for their white counterparts to recognize their existence. Because they're not re- because they're not recognizing random black people under threat from police. So what's to stop them from fellow players, right? Under that I mean, same threat. I mean that is the point, isn't it? And this is something that I feel like what you've mentioned is something that Crystal Dunn alluded to quite significantly in her Forbes interview, where uh, she said, and I quote: "I'm recognized as a player on the national team, which is great, but what I would like to see is the shift." What I would like to see shift is the whole idea that this sport is predominantly white or that this is a white person or that it is a white person's face. That is the face of women's soccer. I have earned the right to be posterized and be part of a huge campaign and lead the way for women's soccer. And I and not feel like I am just a player. Close quote. That's bars right there, gentlemen. That's, that's, what that's that is. Crystal Dunn. Crystal Dunn talking her shit in 2021. Listen, and Sometimes she really... has earned the right because lest we uh, forget, the U.S. women's national team triumph was not just about Megan Rapinoe's brilliant performance. It was about Crystal Dunn pretty much leading the back line and being the engine for that. Playing team. out of her natural position also. Thank you. Thank and you. shutting down the opposition's most dangerous players. She kept all, all like the, the the real test in that tournament for me was when the U.S. Women's National Team faced France, and she kept all yes. of France's yes. best France's best attacking players in her pocket for ninety minutes straight. I yeah, don't I mean, care what any because it's just like I agree. You have to recognize you have to recognize the players that are doing so much work and yet are still somehow unsung. Because, you know, again, I'm not going to deny Megan Rapinoe's influence, and I'm not going to deny the fact that, yeah, when the former president of the United States is trying to go ahead and do his usual troll business, and you go ahead and answer him immediately by banging in a brace and, and basically doing a celebration that every athlete now is doing the world over, yeah, that you won that. You won that. You understand? But Crystal Dunn? is absolutely right when she says that she deserves to be one of the faces, if not the face, as far as I'm concerned. And, and, the, speaking, of, and speaking of faces, going back to what Neil was saying <laughs> about um, you know the standing and kneeling disparity there that we saw in that image, Crystal Dunn's face, for me, told the whole story mm-hmm. about the players that were standing. Yeah, I agree totally. And, um, you know, when asked about it, uh, Carly Lloyd, you know, storied uh, U.S. Women's National Team player, you know, striker, leader, blah, blah, blah. When asked about her failure to kneel in support of her black teammates, she came up with some really wacky response about like, oh, I was in the woods, you know, I was out away from soccer, blah, blah, blah. And the, the good thing about this team is we just support each other whatever way we can and blah, blah, blah. So even when we disagree or whatever it is. And I'm like, that's not how you support each other, right? Like it, her response made right. no sense. And she, she lost a lot of any credibility she had with me on this issue as far as being a teammate. And any empathy I had for her being a, you know, an older player having to compete with the young bucks for your spot. Like, no, you no longer, like, I'm sorry, you're, you're a crappy teammate. Uh, and uh, you you don't deserve the that that spotlight. 
you're going to have to continue. Yeah. She was fit. I'll give her that. She was fit. She looked good in the match. But God don't like ugly. I don't think she got to score. She had many chances, and they were either saved by Sepulveda. Shout out to the uh, Colombian keeper because, uh, you know, playing the U.S. is is crazy. And, yeah, she let a bunch of goals in, but she stopped a bunch of goals too. So, like, salute. I mean, but Carly I mean, Lloyd, Julie Ertz, like, who, 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 I will say, also knelt. You remember, Julie Ertz, I want to say she knelt during the uh, the NWSL return. Like, there, there's a wonderful picture yeah. of her kneeling. Yeah, yeah, it was just, it was, so, uh, so is it uh, Uchi Wally or is it one Mike, Julie? I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it's, you know, end of the day, like, white supremacy still dominates these associations, still dominates the, the from the top to the bottom. Like, just for that, like, I mean, you're saying that excuse of I was in the woods, just that alone is an example of it. Like, you can feel free to just disengage with what's going on in the world and be totally okay. And, you know, uh, white supremacy and how it exists in the system, like, we know pay-for-play is horrible because it really excludes Black people and brown people from actually participating and being the face like Crystal Dunn is. But the women's team actually benefited from that a lot because they use pay-for-play just as much as the men do, just that they have a lot of money and are able to promote uh, athletes in the United States because we just have the much as we have the resources to do it. Uh, so it's always part, white supremacy always plays a part in it, no matter what, I mean, how you slice it. Facts. And I'll say one last thing about the women's national team, um, and I'll shut up about it because I feel like I've talked a lot about it so far, is that these black players that have come through, like, so we've seen Lynn Williams before on the right wing, killed it. She was great in both matches, um, got her goal in the second one. Um, Katarina Mercario, who finally got approved, she's Brazilian born, but um, she... Uh, She's been in the States since she was 12 or whatever. She was electric. She's on. She's a, a whole nother level of player that, than what you're used to seeing. She started up top, kind of, you know, she she was amazing. Second match, she came in as a sub first match, but in the second match, she was incredible. Um, got her goal um, as well, you know, on her, you know, legit debut. And then... Um, who else? Mallory Pugh. Uh, I think she played right back. But, you know, everybody who... Shout out to Mallory. Yeah. She she played... Um, she's She can play right wing. and she But she, she also started right back. So you can see a little bit of the done treatment happening uh, to her as well. But she got her goal too. Like, and if you watch highlights of the match, you'll see her like taking players on leaving them for dead just uh, it's exciting to see the the sauce being added to the squad and um like you know as we were saying other teams or other nations are catching up blah 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 but if if the u.s women's national team continues this recruitment policy continues to pursue these players and continues to give them the opportunities to show what they can do on the field there is no limit to what these women can do my hope is that with the recruitment of these, the, with the recruitment of more black players, uh, both for the U.S. women's national team and for the U.S. men's national team, 
is that we'll start to see a lot more black people at matches when we start to fill the stadiums again. Like when we start to do mass gatherings again, I, I hope that it really starts to, you know, to, 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 to bring people out. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, I really hope that um, it starts to serve as the, the, you know, the one thing that we've always known, no matter what part of the diaspora that you're from, we've always known that there's the importance of seeing it so we can believe it so that you can be it as well. Do you know what I mean? So one of the things, and shout out to um, big man Mike, uh, Yogi McLovin, um, over there uh, for River City uh, and, the, and the podcast that he runs. He was saying this on that group call-in with Kyle Carr and Rox Fontaine, a chop soccer pod and things of that nature. And one of the interesting points that he mentioned was is that when it comes to inner-city development and getting more of the youth involved, black youth involved in the game, He's saying that there's all of these things made available for basketball. There's all these things made available for American football. Hell, there's all these things made available for baseball and things of that nature. But when it comes to football, there's a big question mark over that. And it's like, okay, point taken. So one of the ways that you can do that is by using representation to signal to people, hey, you can be, you can be this too if you wanted to, you know. And that's powerful. So I really hope that this recruitment drive is not just a flash in the pan. I really hope that this is not just a diversity initiative. I just hope that they are finally recognizing the fact that there are plenty of black players out here, American black players out here that have been doing it. And just like black Britons shouldn't have to come to Hollywood to go ahead and get their opportunities to, you know, to in acting and entertainment and things of that nature and music and things of that nature, I should hope that the United States starts to recognize that their black players should not have to go to Europe to be fully fundamentally recognized as good players. But that being said, the FA Cup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the current holders really have nothing to talk about because y'all oh, yeah, got your asses knocked out. I mean, we but, all, we have plenty uh, uh, Plenty, we do. So, real transition in the real happy cup favorites: Arsenal and Liverpool, both out of the FA Cup. <laughs> wow, that's how you're going to present it? Yes. You haven't been to a FA Cup final in how long, bro? I think Jesse Lingard, who now plays for West Ham United, big big Hello. West Ham United, was Hello. the one that scored that winner, and that was the Louis Van Gaal era. You men wow. have no room wow. to talk. Wow, forgot he even managed for them. <laughs> None. Be quiet. I think they do. They want to forget about it too. See, Jonathan, <laughs> this is what non-Mancurians do. They they like to talk about, you know, you know when yeah. they get the, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know when they get that cup and then it gets taken away from them so quick. <laughs> you know, they uh, uh, swiftly, yeah, man. Kind of like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like when you guys were bragging about how you were in the Champions League and we weren't, and then you got knocked out and you joined we're us. We're back not in talking Europe. about. We're talking remember about that? the FA Cup. Remember yeah. that though. We're, we're, you do we're remember that? Talking, yes. We are talking about facts though. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. We're talking about facts, but guess mm-hmm. what? The facts mm-hmm. of this season is we are in the next round of the FA Cup along with Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal for now. And for now. For now. For now. For now. Yeah. All this energy, you better take it home. 
You better. All this energy, you better bring that bitch home. You better be at Wembley come the semi-final. <laughs> if you're not there, you already know what's going to happen when we reconvene for an epi- for that episode. So, hmm. Well, I want to see Oli clanging the, clang the thing and going to the locker room. Okay. Like I, Until I see that video, you, you can uh, hold hold your peace this on is that. Manchester teams celebrating making it to the Fifth round of the FA Cup. Yes, you right. see what I'm saying to you after you, after you, and I'm hoping that we touch on this uh, during the around the pitch segment because after you lot dropped the clanger against Sheffield United, yikes, bro! I really don't know right, about. <laughs> right now, we're talking about FA Cup and how right. y'all were eliminated by Southampton. <laughs> Why are we talking about league play if we're supposed to be talking about that? I, I don't understand. Hey. Okay. This is hey. what Arsenal fans do. They never stay on fucking topic. This is not what I've never run the Champions League. Because we, were staying, we, were staying on, we were staying on topic, and you wanted wow. to shift the goalpost. Wow. So I wanted to go ahead and move with it. I moved with it, Let's and now you it. can't handle it. So now you're like, you know, oh, the Arsenal fans bring it on topic. Hey, you were the yes. one that were talking about all yes. these things. Because we're still in the FA Cup. Y'all couldn't retain the <laughs> shit. So now I'm interested in the it. And when we talked about the FA Cup, I mentioned that you men have not been to a final since what? Since what year? Well, Say it. They, they still in it. United are still in it, though. We're still in it. Yes, you're still and, and, in and, and, it. You're still Carl, in that, it. That's it. There's no, there's no more after that. You're, yeah, but you, said that, you said, but you said that last season. And you said that the season before that. And uh, uh, Armour, yeah. remind me again. Well, did they not say that the season before that one as well? But guess what? That was last season. Yeah, We're talking about to nothing. Because because the Arsenal and Manchester City and Liverpool are always the same club that yell at United supporters and say, you guys focus too much on the past. Well, guess what? I'm talking about the present. <laughs> and in the present, we're in the next round of the FA Cup. You are, ha- you, are, you, are happy, you are happy to talk about the present until the present is no longer relevant. So, But the, pre- in- but the present is we're in the fifth round and you're there. Like, yes. And you have... And you know what? And you've been in the fifth round before. And you've been knocked out in the fifth round before. That's, and that's true. Hey, you know what? You know what, Neil? Congratulations! You made it Thank to the fifth rounds. You know, Thank you. right? It's, Arsenal didn't make like that. Enjoy. My my right. question, my question to you, Ama and Adam and Joseph. Y'all are out of y'all are out of the FA Cup. Y'all are out of the League Cup. You're not going to win the league. You might win Europa. So what's going on? Like what what's happening? Well, so, right now, uh, I would say. Yeah. Wait, let me take. Let me start first on this yeah, one. I would say, it. hey, I feel like. Arteta made a choice. He rotated. It wasn't necessarily the strongest team. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have won. I think they should have done better. I think that's a game they could have won. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what Arteta did. But I think he rotated. That's not the best team. We're not gonna I'm not gonna be the guy who denies that Arsenal the reason that we're going through multiple windows and just trying to strengthen the team is just that it's not at the quality that it is that it needs to do consistently dated like every match. So I'm, I'm not going to deny that. But I feel like that's a strategic move by Arteta. He's like, you know what? FA Cup, it's not worth the extra time. I've got this limited squad that I might need to, like, not rotate as much. So if we don't have extra matches, I'm trying to get rid of that. So if we lose, we lose. I'm trying to do the best in everything else. After the win the other day, we're only five points off the top four. You know, the goal at Arsenal is, I mean... Uh-huh is to be at least is in Europe because if not, we're, we're supposedly always austerity FC. 
So we always need the European money to continue, especially now with people not in the stands. So I I think Arteta is the perfect guy because he was there before. He probably understands this better than anybody. And he's like, you know what? If we don't have to play a random Tuesday or Wednesday game in the middle and I get to rest my best guys so I can use them, even if I don't start them every game, but at least I can bring them in at halftime or 60 minutes, whenever I got to. It's okay if I lose this competition because I'd, I mean, like I said, we're only five points off the top four. I know about the games in hand, but remember, it's still pretty much half the season. So a lot can happen as we've seen. So I'm with it. If we're not, if we're resting our players, less chance for injury, people are fresher, people get extra rest days, whatever it is, because he's, you know, like I've said before, Champions League and Europa League, you just got to bring your A game that day. I feel like anybody can win it certain days. Sometimes your talent's just too much, but I feel like certain matchups you can win, and or and sometimes it's luck. So he's just like, let me get the best situation. Let's do as well as we can in the league. Let's do as far as we can in Europa. Let's FA Cup's not going to be it. It's not worth the extra time and risk. This is all. This is also a strategy that has de- been been deployed numerous times by the likes of. Manchester United, Manchester City, definitely in particular, because they're usually in three of the four competitions that they're out, you know, that they're out to win or seek out to win. And it usually ends up with them getting knocked out of, um, it usually ends with one or two things. Either they get knocked out of the FA Cup early and they go on to win the League Cup, or they get knocked out of the League Cup and they do well in the FA Cup. Uh, and, And their cup competition that they're really trying to win is the Champions League, Good luck with that. But like at the end of the day, this isn't a strategy that is outside of most of the clubs that are trying to compete in as many competitions as possible. So yeah, rotation is definitely there. I would actually go and say that the the side that we put out, obviously, sans Aubameyang because he had to go and you know see to his mum who was doing poorly. So I think him leaving suddenly definitely kind of rattled the lads. Certainly the younger ones that look up to him. I know Saka definitely looks up to him and things of that nature. Um, but when your captain has to dip out like that and you got to go out and play a match and win and things of that nature, that definitely screws with your psyche. So I, 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 I'm not taken away from the fact that we should have been better in front of goal because everything else was okay. But yeah, we didn't get it done. And I'm definitely not taking anything away from that fact. What I don't want anybody to overshadow is the fact that, hey, We've won this competition more than anybody in the country. And as far as I'm concerned, we'll be right back at it again next season. So to, yeah. answer, your, to answer your question there, Jonathan, be, you know, between what Adam's saying and what I'm saying now is that where do we go from here? We do as best as we can in the league and we do as best as we can in the Europa League, which we are unbeaten in, in the latter competition. We'll be fine. Yeah, um, I, and my perspective is like, okay, great. We mentioned last, we asked the same question last week, what does success look like? It's a, a cup run, that's out. And now, you know, every, all the other things is like, it's all on Europe. Performing well in Europe now and qualifying for Europe uh, next season. That's what success looks like. This is what Arsenal's objectives look like now. Um there's never been an argument from us on that count. I will say that the other match, or the Liverpool match, the Liverpool City matchup was the more interesting of the FA Cup games, I think, because of the, you know, 
how it contrasted with the league game that we watched that was just a, a snooze fest, right? Or it wasn't City, it was United. Liverpool. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, you, yeah. it's, you Manchester people uh, linking up on this podcast to, to like, try to... It's like, a, it's like a weird wrestling federation like matchup. I don't get it. Right? It's, it's very weird. It's weird. It's like the Mancunians. Like, what? <laughs> well, listen, listen. At the, at the end of the day, Big Brother always protects Little Brother. Sometimes Little Brother, you know... Crap. Oh, I, my I, God. I, and you, you know, shank them in the back every oh chance you get. Mm. And guess what? Sometimes, <laughs> and, and, then he, and then he sells but, you out every, section, every, every chance he gets. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and no Mancunia, nothing. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> we're not cousins. We're not, we're, not, we're not on a different side of London. Like we are literally like that's like we're like we're blood. So naturally, we're gonna fight. It, it's gonna happen. Well, but I will so, say. When we have the Manchester and Arsenal arguments, at least we have a one common enemy, and that's Chelsea. And what yes. a mess that place is in. <laughs> <laughs> so, Man. Frankie Lampard. Chelsea Do we get to talk legend. about it? Do we get to Frankie, talk about it? Frankie Lampard. Yeah. Oh, he's on his way out. Yeah. Well, no, he's out. He's no, out. And even the owner, the owner even said, Mr. Abramovich was even like, that was hard because I have a personal connection with him. But yeah, not getting the job done. Gotta let you go, sir. Um, the, yeah. As as Joseph said, and as we all contested to in the last episode, this is the same club that spent three over 300 million pounds for several players, most of which they did not need to replace current players Young players that they, if they actually invested in, they could have cultivated and bought other younger players from either the championship or league one rather than going to get two Germans from the Bundesliga, one uh, Moroccan from the Eredivisie. Uh, you know, at least they stayed in the league and got Ben, you know, uh, Ben Chilwell. They went to League on and, and got, T, you know, an aging Thiago Silva. Like, this is a team of. You know, they are like Manchester You're, United were several seasons ago when we had all these random pieces under <laughs> Louis Van Hall, and it was just like, what are we doing here? We have all these players <laughs> that don't know where to play, and there's no consistency. Everybody's kind of all over the place. And now Chelsea, and, and that's what Frank did. Frank was like, I don't know how to cultivate youth, so I'm just going to buy everywhere, and I'm going to, you know... Chelsea's transfer department operates like, you know, the way you describes it, Neil, sounds like they were at like the farmer's market and were just like, ooh, that looks nice. Maybe I'll try that. I'll just Google the recipe and I'll make it work. So it's like, well, I've got these two Germans. I'm, yeah, just like you pointed out, like it, it, it's just and I, for some reason, it felt like they were like. The issue with Chelsea last year, everybody gives credit to Lampard with what he did, with what he had, considering the transfer ban and not reinforcing. He did it with a youth movement, and everybody was amazed. The one issue Chelsea had that kept him from doing even better was the goalie and the defense. But for some reason, they said, no, let's spend all the money on offensive weapons. And then, and... And, and then let's go ahead and call big, big Thiago Silva. <laughs> and let's who's, go. Who's, 
who's thirty four, thirty five, I think, at the start of the season. So the man is one season away from returning to Brazil, and you decide to go ahead and or like, getting one or two DP seasons in the MLS. Don't knock it. <laughs> yeah, who, who is picking I, I, up Thiago Silva in the MLS? Name Orlando, name names. Name names. Sir, wow. relax. What, what, I would not be surprised. I agree. Again, or Miami. I feel like those places that would just be like, he's popular because we have enough of a base that would know him to sell tickets, assuming we can get back in stadiums. Although, sorry, I think the Miami Heat are welcoming visitors tonight. So I guess if he plays in Miami, that stadium will probably let people in. They already um, have. Yeah, happened. exactly. Orlando City. We like. I almost thought about buying tickets to the women's national match we were talking about before because I'd like. I'll go sit in the rafters. But yeah. Um, but Tiago Silva. Anyway, back to Chelsea and all their craziness. Like it's just a, yeah. a mismatch of of what they needed to do. And obviously, the the two German players having trouble adjusting. The Moroccan we mentioned, Mr. Zayek, hasn't even had like regular playing time, which is really weird considering his talent. But yeah. but here's the thing about Hakim Hakim Zayek, he played one position at Ajax, one. And right. on that Chelsea side, Lampard had no idea where to play him. He was like, "We're going to play him at the right wing. We're going to play him at Cam. We're going to play him at CM. We're going to play him at CD." Like it was just like, and then like I feel like if Frank stayed, he was likely going to take the armband off of Tiago Silva and give it to that punk Mason Mount. Um, <laughs> oh, that, that was happening. I'm surprised no. it hadn't happened yet. Oh, like, man. no way. England's hope. England's hope right there. But I mean, that's, I think that's the thing. Like, the writing was on the wall for Lampard. Uh, Roman Abramovich had to say what he had to say because he's a club legend. But Lampard didn't know what he was doing. He was wildly inexperienced. And just the stories that are coming out about one, how he... He got the Derby job in the first place before he joined Chelsea. Um, how he even got the... I think he was trying to go to Ipswich. I forget what other club he was trying to go to, but it's like, ah, oh, they don't have any money. So, you know, he just made a couple of calls. His his uncle, Harry Redner, made a couple of calls, and lo, lo and behold, he was oh. he was managing the Derby. Um, so just... Uh, yeah. I, co- I completely forgot about Harry Redknapp's influence because he loves him some Frank Lampard. Oh my god! Right. Like, but listen, the Chelsea thing is as I said last week. You gave a a war chest to a man who put Derby the the first managerial job that he had. He left that club in a lurch. Okay, again, I remind everybody: Wayne Rooney has work to do at Derby County. Lots of work. You understand? And it's not just because of the fact that the, he had to take a COVID-ravaged side down to a non-league side and then get slapped up. You know what I mean? Like, it goes beyond that. You actually decided to give it to a legend that's, I guess, fine, but there are plenty more tenured legends in management that you could have installed in that position. The first, mind, the first name that comes to mind is Gianfranco Zola who actually has had managerial positions. And granted, the clubs that he did, the clubs that he managed that they didn't, you know, get over the hump. And I think Watford definitely springs to mind because if you remember that Troy Deeney goal in the playoff semi-final all these years ago against Leicester, Gianfranco Zola was the manager for that side, right? And then he's gone and he's had managerial jobs elsewhere. Why wouldn't you give it to him? Rude Hewlett is out here doing punditry, but has 
been a manager before? Why didn't you call him? Um, because I don't uh, want Rude Hullet to have his legacy tarnished. Okay, fair. Okay, fair, fair, fair. But like <laughs> at the end, <laughs> but at the same time, like these are names that you had right there, like right there in front of you. You're going to give it to another legend, another Chelsea legend. All right, as Adam mentioned last week, you you're not going to call Didier Drogba, like you're not going to call Claude Makélélé. You're not going to no. call these people. No, they're going to call uh, Thomas Tuchel, who apparently. Where is Michael Essien? Michael Essien, bruv. Like, come on. Like, John Obi. Uh, sorry. Uh, is, is it John Obi Mikel, isn't it? John Obi Mikel? <laughs> Hello? Don't put, like, don't, don't put them under any Chelsea spotlight. They, they've, they've done their time. Let, let, That's right. let them get them badges and, and, and manage a, a side that actually They're free. cares They're about free. them help, as black people. Help their team. Help their teams on the continent at this point. Like, help us get there. Ivory, uh, Ivory, Cote d'Ivoire, sorry. Like, help help them get there. They don't need to be back at Chelsea. <laughs> Ama, I know your ears were perked up when I said John Obi Mikel, so you might as well hit him with it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, like, I, I honestly, yeah, I had this conversation recently about the these, um, all these players going back and helping the national sides. Um, but as far as Frank is concerned, it's, you know, just desserts, man. Uh, I remember him telling Raheem Sterling that, you know, he's really wrong about what it takes to be a coach and how black coaches just aren't working as hard as he did to get where he where he got to. So now he can work just as hard as the black players <clears throat> who seek to become coaches. Maybe maybe. <laughs> maybe he'll get he'll uh eat a little humble pie do a little consider you know reconsider how he approached things and um hopefully do better i think stepping away from the youth that got him success was a was a really bad move and squandering roman's blood money um often leads to a bloodbath i mean on um, positive news around the diaspora uh nigeria um i know there's a couple at fulham you've seen them on the back line mm-hmm. uh adamala lukman and tosin that that guy so they start right um and then who else we have um, noni we have noni uh Maduke. Maduke. Yep. we have ike Na- ugbo uh ovi um Ejaria. yep uh nathan teller from Southampton. Uh, uh, the one I'm really excited about is Shea Ojo uh, from Cardiff City. That's a big pickup. And then Jordan Toru Nariga. There we go. From Hertha. But, <laughs> so so the, 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 the thing for me is so none of these guys are Bukayo Saka. You know, so I'm still hurting about that. But I like the talent pool um, that, I mean, in creating competition and i i've if you've watched the nigerian national team you know that we we definitely need defensive backup attacking options are plenty there's midfield question marks so i mean some of these players may help may not but i like in, increasing the um the quality of the players in the camp improving the competition for the for the places and um just the trend of like, yeah, man, like 
Bon England and all these other places that they're not going to feature you. They'll use you up at youth level and then you'll never wear a senior shirt for that country ever again. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, I mean, with AFCON coming up, uh, you know, later on this year, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the prelims are still happening. Um, but, you know, Nigeria, you know, the Super Eagles, I think, Ama, you would agree, the Super Eagles need not just dips, you know, not just dips this depth in the back. They need depth, period, to last the entire AFCON. And now they are a threat for the AFCON title. Definitely. If they, if they weren't already, now they've added additional talent, not just at the back, but just overall, you know, to... Yeah. So attacking wingbacks, right? Like, so that, that's so I'm I'm most excited about the Fulham guys, and Shea Ojo is is, is he, it's true he's a he's a, also a good player, but like the attack attacking fullbacks give give you additional width, so your normal wide forwards can tuck in a little bit, you know, give them a little Liverpool action. Um, the question is who has who's uh, disciplined on defense, right? Who's who's disciplined enough to fill the fill the space? Um, so you don't get hit on the counter. Like these are the things that I, we watch. Like I, I watched scratching my head at the four-four tie with uh, Sierra Leone, um, which is the, the most shameful Super Eagles performance in recent times for me because it's Sierra Leone. Like you know, I would I would say no shade, but like it's Sierra Leone. Oh, that was not shade. Yeah. So so that those players, Antique, yeah, the, those players be, deserve deserve a thrashing um and so yeah bring up the you know if you're not if you're not willing to play 90 minutes you're not going to fight you're not going to run then we have more pe- people ready to play ready to fight we're gonna you know battle for the shirt so like that's 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 really good news yeah this is a good list <laughs> i mean like you said like it's unfortunate soccer is you know decided to join our Colonial masters, <laughs> um, and uh, even you know to a lesser extent, Tammy Abraham too. Uh, yeah, no, he went first. Right, that was a disappointment. Right. And you know, Afcon y'all be solid because y'all were uh, uh, Riyad Mahrez screamer away from going to the final uh, in 2019. Um, and so, but I, I say that because this is like a good list for like a vision of the future. You we want. Uh, Nigeria to do well in the World Cup. Um, that's first and foremost. Um, just, just we do. After. Yeah. I, I, we do. It's an after thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think real. looking ahead, like this is a good. This is a, this is a solid foundation to build upon, knowing that these you have so many more players to your at at your disposal now. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say this right with with all my Nigerian pride and everything. Like, yo, there is no country in Africa that has more innate talent at football than Nigeria. So we are underperforming. It's a shame what we've, that we failed to produce a world title apart from a, an Olympic gold medal, right? Like the continent deserves better from Nigeria and, and we're going to work harder, <laughs> harder to represent better. And this is a start. That's what and Jamaican, I'll just add, I want to. No, I was just going to say real quick as a Jamaican, I'm jealous that they even would consider switching because if I mean, Jamaican hey, brethren, listen, if, and that's the problem. Jamaica is not like Nigeria is attractive, like it's worth switching for Nigeria. 
understand why the Jamaican brethren who play for England are not like, oh, sure, I'll play for Jamaica. Because it's not really that attractive to play for Jamaica. Although, if they did, we would be perennial World Cup. Uh, in, in, instantly. There's no instantly. question. But um, no I, I, we'd even call back Daniel Sturridge. Like, it's that good that we'd still make it in America. Because Daniel Sturridge is still better than most American uh I would, I would say, I would, I would, I would say, I would say to uh, to Adam's point, and this is probably something that I'll need to do a bit more research on. But based on what I know already, if Jamaican football, and that's not just for the men's team, it's more for the women's team too. I should also mention, shout out to Khadija Shaw, the ledge. Um, what I would say is that if Jamaican football and the Jamaican Football Federation got as much money as our athletics program does different story it's like, there different mm. story Mm-mm-mm. different story because i mean at the end of the day there's plenty of mandem that we could be you know repatriating right and, sterling and, is one right. um and, yeah there, i mean we were lucky Dion bailey chose to play for us so that's great um so that's you know one more that we have that's a great guy but i mean when you look at the history like we even had kind of a golden generation there like back when west morgan was at his prime when west morgan is at his prime raheem sterling would have been like the starter for jamaica like from when he was 17 18 so uh and and with like no offense no i don't care about Concacaf. No, the competition isn't that hard. It's U.S., Mexico, and whoever is the best in that cycle. Like, and it can be anybody. That's why Jamaica's made a World Cup. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago's made a World Cup because it's really that third spot is not guaranteed for anybody. And Jamaica would be perennial if we had the talent that currently chooses to play for England. So, so yeah. I mean, it really just comes down to there is there's infrastructural issues, which we all know, colonialism is like the number one factor into why it is so you know is why it's so it's the way that it is but i do feel like jamaica just hedges hedges its bets on the thing that it knows that it's going to win the world over do you know what i mean and that is athletics because that's that's what jamaica does that's what jamaica does the best in you know so they they'll 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 do the whole perennial thing for four years in the um the athletic competitions and the iaaf and all that sorts you know all this them Excuse me, all them type of thing there. Like, that's what Jamaica focuses on because that is realistic in terms of immediate, sustained success. People actually show up to Olympic Games to see Jamaica's best talents. Do you understand? So, like, I get it. But that doesn't mean that something can't be built. And to the point that you were making about players not finding it attractive, I understand that, but they have more prestige than the entire Jamaican Football Federation does. They go there, and they change that by simply being there. I give you Wes Morgan. Wes Morgan said, yeah. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll, 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 I'll suit up for Jamaica. I'll go ahead and play for Jamaica. And how many Gold Cup finals have Jamaica gone to since they had big men like him and, and Joby McEnough and, you know, like players that usually wouldn't get a look in on the Premier League stage. But Wes Morgan is a Premier League winner and... He was, if he's not still, their captain at Leicester. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Big pickup. But it needs to be more than just one name. It needs to be like what Nigeria have done. And they need to make a signal of intent. So a group of players need to come together. The, yeah, the Mandem just need to come together and be like, so are we doing this? 
All right, cool. Because that's and, clearly what's happened with Nigeria here. Absolutely. And where a good chunk of those Jamaican players play is MLS, which just announced plans to come back amidst these crazy COVID-19 pandemic times. So guys, what do you guys think about how the season's going to play out in MLS? Um, as usual, I think the Sounders are going to win it. Oh, already on there. My God. Really? Out the gate, though? Out the gate? is not walking through that door. You understand, like, and we're, we're not going to pretend like that MLS Cup final wasn't a demolition of the Sounders. Like, we're not going to pretend. <laughs> it wasn't a demolition. You know, it was, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a good win. Amma, it was 3-0. And you yeah. didn't have it. <laughs> Did we watch the same match? Did we? Oh yeah, we watched it on. We watched it. Um, we watched it together, right? With the we, whole yeah, we did. Of, uh, we did. Did we not? Massive, right? Yeah. Mm. So what, well, Like, I mean, at the end of the day, the Sounders were not at the races for ninety hey, minutes. They straight. made it to the finals, Joe. Like, you know. Hey, I mean, at the end of the Orlando day, Orlando City was not in the final. Yeah, on, but you gotta bring them up now. Remind them. You didn't have to bring well, that well, up. You didn't have to do that. You hey, have to bring that's that up. what I'm saying. Like you gotta you what... be in the final to win it. So yes, but your final loss is less memorable than Rodri Schlegel and that penalty save. Wait. Oh yeah, I agree. You know, it wasn't so. A good I mean, you you, you made Sounders. it. You, you you made it to the final, but at what cost? Well, there's it was no cost. It was just glory, man. Um, you live to fight another day. That's why yep. I believe we're going to come back. Although we just lost a, a player to Swansea City. It's crazy. Um, yeah, okay. Jordan Morris. Jordan yeah. Morris. So, I don't know. I, what? <laughs> so, you guys are acting like the league is actually going to start. Like, this is the proposed thing. This is what the league has put out. What does the MLSPA have to say? About well, this uh, collective bargaining agreement. On that topic, the is statement. It, wait, real quick. Today. Is that union that is that union that good? I feel like they get bodied every time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Am about I am that. I wrong? Because, I'm like, just uh, saying. I don't Robin know Hood how investors. hard they go because, like. I haven't seen like really a lot of pushback in the past. They're like, ah, yes, like they don't really seem to fight back that often. But please correct me if I'm wrong. Well, let's just go ahead and give you an excerpt of the statement that they made to the MLS and to the public. Today, right? <clears throat> Today, literally at 2.18 p.m. this afternoon, Eastern okay, Standard Time. Let's go. Yeah. Want to hear that. They said, they said, and I quote. Players and staff have clearly borne substantial risk to their physical health because of the pandemic. With these concessions, players have also unquestionably borne a substantial portion of the league's COVID-related financial losses to the extent that those losses continue beyond current expectations. The CBA allows teams to further reduce expenses by adjusting their discretionary spend. Most importantly, this offer creates a revised CBA framework to ensure the continued growth and stability of the MLS in the years to come. In exchange for and in recognition of these concessions, the proposal includes modest non-economic changes for 2025 and the 2026 season. Changes that would benefit players by reducing the age for free agency eligibility by one year and decreasing some of the restrictions on free agent 
earnings. And that is just a piece of that statement. It's worth a read. Oh, okay, that's it. I like that. That's good, that's good stuff. I'm proud of yeah. them. Because I they feel say, like in the past, they, they didn't come with it, but I appreciate they, the stepping up. No, they they definitely they definitely did not fuck about with this um with this statement. The MLS Players Association is like, look, you already know what it is. And we played I... during COVID, like <laughs> right? Pay us in a and bubble this... from our in away bu- from our people, and then um, went back to regular games in the stadiums with people to get racial sometimes. slurs and nonsense booing. Right. Plus COVID. You know. Yeah. Plus COVID. So like, yes. Please. I, I hope they they hold fast. I mean, I think the concessions um, amounted to like I don't know, maybe like fifty fifty million, which is less than half of what the league um, the league's proposal would result in. So like, I'm I I like it, right? I like that they're like, no, we, you don't get what you want. You acknowledge what we've sacrificed and understand what we've we've uh, invested in this in this whole journey, like. Um, so if you want to keep doing this, you have to, and and they're not looking for like short term things. They're looking for structural changes that will help the young players now um, achieve like I'm not I'm not going to say solvency, but like increase their potential earnings at an earlier stage and give them more freedom um, within the league. So I I I I think it's it's structural and it's kind of like it's not short term, and I, I appreciate that about their proposal. Let, let's yeah. hope the MLS is smart about it. Yeah. yeah. Let's be let's let's be let's be let's be fair to also to the uh, to the uh, to the MLSPA on the fact that the MLS decided to go ahead and try and bully them um into accepting their proposal by announcing the league date start early. You know what I mean? Like I don't even think there's been a fixture list released yet. I haven't seen one. So yeah. No, I'm. I'm just gonna say I'm. I'm happy that that they they are uh, standing up for themselves in this way, and the fact that the they might, it might be uh, going towards a lockout, which I think is fine because the current contract as it stands goes into like what 2027, 2028. It's like, will we even have a planet Earth by then? Like that's 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 a lot to be to to be conceding on. So I'm really happy that. They're, they're willing to do that, take that stance um, for themselves and for the future generations too. Jonathan, as a union man, what would what would you what would you what would you recommend to the MLSPA if the MLS, the league, and the owners turn around and push back on what it is that they've proposed? You know, sports is difficult because. It's it's very much a profit. Or, or it's a for-profit uh, situation. So, you know, players. There's a lot of stake for not just the owners, but for the players too. Fact that you know, this is a a growing sport. Um, there's a lot of U.S. talent that's going to Europe. Um, so it's not like you know, or I mean, uh. NRA Mar as a so there's leverage there to like the good players that that's going to keep your uh, organization functioning will just leave and they'll go to Europe and be happy without you so they have that as a bargaining chip to to hold firm um, at least at least they have that going for them 
So I would say I would say that alone, the fact that it's not the same, it's not the same as it was like five, ten years ago, where you know the MLS is you either make play in the MLS or you don't play at all. Like there's actually leverage for them to to take their talents elsewhere um, that can keep them keep the contract going. Absolutely, and um, thinking about the other uh, United States League, uh, also burgeoning, trying to grow their talent as well. The uh, National Women's Soccer League, uh, North Carolina Courage, added a new owner, uh, making their ownership group a bit more diverse than the person of Naomi Osaka, which is a great move. I mean, is she even 23 yet? Like, she's a part owner of a major you she know, is 23. league team. Okay, she just, so she's recent, I feel like, though. Uh, oh, yeah, just just turned 23. But awesome. But let's Awesome yeah. move for the North Carolina. Carolina Absolutely. Courage. So glad that they made it. Um, and also shout out to um, my very good friend, Ebony Christmas, who is one of like the biggest proponents of not just, uh, you know, American football, but also um, the women's game here. She's um, she's she's huge into uh, North Carolina sports. Um, and one of the teams that she absolutely supports and uh, is 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 one of the notable faces around the place is the North Carolina Courage. Um, so I know that uh, when I told you know when I told her the news and she finally got an opportunity to see it, she's extremely excited. I'm extremely excited about what Naomi Osaka is going to bring to the table. I know it's going to be more than money uh, because if there's anything that I've garnered from Naomi is that she she reminds me a lot of Serena Williams in a sense that she doesn't give a fuck about what you're talking about. <laughs> she is out here and she will do what, whatever the fuck she wants. So um, really pleased for the North Carolina courage. Um, and as I mentioned, Serena Williams might as well go ahead and say shout out to Angel uh, City FC as well. Looking forward to their developments and things of that nature. But yeah, Serena and Alexis, let's go. Yeah, yeah, like let's let's get them all in. Let's get. Like, I'm I'm still waiting for um Jonathan. Who do we have in Orlando that we would that that we could get as an investor? Like, I mean, the pride could use the pride could use some help. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, Yo, so real quick on the on the uh, NWSL tip, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the. NWSL draft. I know it was uh, a couple weeks ago, but there were what six of the top ten? Well, the first ten, the first round picks were were all black. Yes, women. yes. Black women. So, good point. What good call? Good call. <laughs> Including, can you believe? I'm sorry, I had an age moment. Trinity Rodman, really? Dennis Rodman's <laughs> daughter. But again, left college early. That's how good she is. When I know we were referencing before about the the increased melanin content of the women's national team, another potential player um, in due time. I know she plays for, I forgot which U squad she plays for, but she is a youth player for the national team. Um, one of the top 10 picks as well. Like it, it's dope. Got, to drafted, see. By number my, two. got drafted by yeah. my Washington spirit. Shout out to the Washington okay. spirit. Good okay. books, good yes. Books. Yes. And shout out to the Washington Spirit for giving us all of your best players. Thank you so much. Appreciate but that. See, but see, this is why we draft young players like Dennis Bradman's daughter. I mean, look, you, you clearly had a strategy in mind there, so we it did. looks like it's a win-win 
for both uh, my Orlando pride and your Washington spirit. We'll see you on the pitch. Indeed. Indeed we will. And, and, on, and on that note, uh, <laughs> we're going to head to break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about racism in Italy. What else is new? Uh, racismo. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors, same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Boss up. So, we're back from uh, our break. Um, guys, we know a big thing happened in Copa Italia this week. Um, the uh, Milan Derby and the Copa Italia quarterfinal between Inter and AC Milan. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic with an early goal, but eventually uh, getting the red card after a second yellow. Um, some allegedly racist abuse towards Romelu Lukaku. Guys, what's your take on what went down uh, in Milan this week? <laughs> so, first of all, Forza enter. Uh, we've done it again. <laughs> we beat the brakes off AC Milan. We love to see it. Um, cup competition or league, because league is the only thing we're playing for at this point. So I'm just happy that we are still in this league, uh, that, that we uh, won this cup match, that we're still there. Um, that would that you know that it was a derby. Many people took their eyes off of this match. There were several other matches on uh, during that you know on at the same time, but uh, across the country uh, across the world. But because this is a derby within a cup, it's a really big deal. Um, not to discount the uh, uh, rate the intense. Um, you know, despite the fact that there weren't fans, um, this is you know this is still a derby. So all of the it passion... was a Tuesday. They put it on a Tuesday night at prime time. I know the Italian networks. That's a ratings grab. Like I'm sure yep. it's the same thing. It's a big yep. deal. Like it was the yep. only match. Like yeah. prime time. Yeah, and it's you know I as as, as someone who um, appreciates Inter's style of play, um, the only Milan that matters. Uh, you know, I really uh, was invested in this match from start to finish. Um, and I, of course, when uh, I knew I knew Zlatan was going to start, um, I knew Big Rom was going to be uh, starting for, you know, obviously starting for uh, Inter uh, up top. And I knew they were going to clash because they clashed when they were both playing for Manchester United. So naturally, their personalities were going to clash when they're playing on opposite sides of the Milan Derby. Um, and I'm trying to be as cordial as possible, but fuck that big Swedish bastard. Um, straight up. Like, wow, how do you really feel? With a uh, long dick! Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I can't believe someone uh, with Zlatan's um, intensity and with his you know frame of mind would go out of his way to attack like he knew he knew exactly what to say to Romelu Lukaku to to wind him up and that's why he you know you know they were you know it was towards the end of 
the half, and they got into, you know, they were bumping heads, and Romelu said something, um, you know, they were chatting shit on the pitch, because that's what you do, but you can actually hear it because there are no fans, and Zlatan said, you know, you're a big donkey and some other racial epithets, and then said something about, um, reiterated something that the former owner of uh, Everton said about Romelu Lukaku when he uh, transferred to Chelsea um, uh, because Romelu said, I'm leaving because uh, I have to talk to my mom. And the former uh, then manager of Everton said um, he's leaving because of some witchcraft um, that his mom is putting on our club. And Zlatan somehow remembered that, despite the fact that Zlatan wasn't playing in the Prem at the time. Um, and he, but he repeated it and added some extra things to what he said. And listen, I, <laughs> um, I'm trying to be as cordial as possible, but again, like, like, yeah, nah, let it, let the, let it fly, bro. Like, like he deserves it. Like, I, let him have it. I, I can't believe someone who is supposed to be the poster child for AC Milan um, acted in such a derogatory way. Like, that's completely fucked up. And he deserves all of the smoke. Like, like he is a... He... You know, I'm not going to speak about any other club that he's on, because right now, at present, he's at AC Milan, again, trying to rekindle some, you know, some some old energy. And he... Sure, he brought sure, he them out of the... Uh, doldrums of the mid table, but you know he can fuck right off. He 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 literally is the reason that they lost that match. Um, he got uh, hot under the collar and literally got uh, as soon as the second half started within minutes. Um, Romagnoli um, fouled a interplayer. I can't remember which one it was. And then immediately after, uh, Zlatan got into the. Uh, 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 in, into the ref's face and immediately uh, got a red card. He, he and he was already on a yellow. And this is a guy who you know, quote unquote, bre- you know, eats, sleeps, and breathes machismo. Well, that day he was eat, sleeping, and drink and and drinking the you know the locker room because that's where his ass was. It wasn't no. on the fucking pitch. So you know, Inter did what they had to do, and then not only that, but Rom had to. Uh, th- there was eventually a, a penalty that Romelu Lukaku had to convert, and he forced that ball in the back of the net with all of the power of the African diaspora. I have never seen that man kick a ball so hard in my fucking life. <laughs> his run-up run was absolutely like energy. Just, uh, I, I think That sh- was sh- anger. That, that ball anger. felt it. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. And shout and shout out to um one of my mutuals on Twitter, Stokesy, who's a uh Aston Villa supporter. He posted a picture of it and said, This is the angriest penalty I've ever seen. <laughs> that, He's absolutely that penalty right. probably uh uprooted King Leopold out of his grave. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's that's okay. intense. But I, I believe it. I'm echoes on that. Yo, but like so here's the other thing, right? Like Romelu kept saying, Lukaku kept saying, uh, 
yo, let's go outside. Let's 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 go. You know what I mean? You yeah. you're big, tough. You talk all this junk. Let's go, go, let's go. And he, you know, it was at AC Milan where Oguchi Onyu broke Zlatan's ribs. Like so, Zlatan didn't want that smoke. He he knows what a black man whose stature matches up to him can do to him, and he didn't want that smoke. When push came to shove, he was he he want he wanted separation. He didn't want that. So my buddy was going to be on, on Romelu anyway, and he, he he proved it with the pen. He he took he was mad. He was extremely mad. And I'll say for optics, I really really hated how many people were like holding 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 him. Like it was just irritating uh, to watch. Like because if it's going to kick off, it's going to kick off. Like you can't hold him back. Like you you're a little scrawny person. If he was, if he really wanted to rip his head off in that moment, he would have done it. He was showing restraint, and you guys were acting like he was an unbridled savage. You on his team, and you know, quote unquote buddies. So, like, yeah, I'm. Uh, the optics for me were a little troubling. While you could see, um, you know, yes, Romulo was upset, but like, he wasn't kicking people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was not a punch thrown or or anything, right? And in the end, it was uh, Zlatan who needed to be restrained, as you as you heard earlier. He got the second yellow, and got sent the fuck off. So it let is me, as it should be. Let me go ahead and start before I get into Zlatan's bitch ass. Let me go ahead and go ahead and kind of give you a little bit of a history lesson. There was another legendary black player. Uh, you might know who he is. His name, his name is George Weah, currently the president of Liberia. <clears throat> now, on no, 20th of November 1996, after a Champions League game uh, against, I think it was FC Porto, um, and, they, uh, and I believe uh, AC Milan was away that day, um, there was an incident in the tunnel with a player called Jorge Costa. Basically, what apparently ensued was um, racial taunts, basically, to him in both legs of the fixture. Jorge was uh, just just out and out, one hundred percent in the wrong. Even though he even though he denied those allegations, George Weah did what needed to be done. He broke his nose. He required X-rays to uh, you know to ascertain. Uh, what kind of damage that he had on his face? Um, he needed a he needed surgery on it, uh, and things of that nature. So you know, that is what I hoped Romelu Lukaku would do to Zlatan. And Zlatan, by some virtue of a miracle, if you're listening to this, let me just say that whilst we are in ter- you know in for- in former episodes, we have been on record saying that for as ludicrous as some of your stuff can be you have been entertaining but that stops that stops now that stops right now as far as i'm concerned fuck you fuck you fuck the hole that you slid it out of fuck everything about you fuck your wealth fuck your prestige fuck your stats fuck your championships fuck every single thing about your existence motherfuck you actually because as far as i'm concerned 
There is no reason to bring somebody else's mother into this. That's number one. And everybody knows, every black man in the world knows that if you say anything about a man's mother, if you end up dead, you deserved it. You understand? That's real talk. That's straight from the streets. So as far as I'm concerned, you should have gotten, you should have been placed in ICU that day for what you said. And as far as the voodoo shit is concerned, you want to come out here on Twitter talking about that, you know, in Zlatan's world, you know, everybody's equal. Save your microwaved milk toast bullshit for somebody who actually believes you. Because as far as I'm concerned, you wouldn't even mention the voodoo shit if it weren't for the fact that Romelu Lukaku is a black person. You understand? I don't want to hear it from Zlatan. I don't want to hear it from any of his sycophants. I don't want to hear it from AC Milan fans. I don't want to hear it from anybody. Zlatan was wrong, period. And if you're trying to draw a false equivalence between the way that Big Rom carried himself in that moment to Zlatan's antagonistic actions, then as far as I'm concerned, fuck you too and the hole that you slithered out of because there is in no way, shape, or form equivalent. I hope with every fiber of my being that Zatan does not see the season out. That's what I hope because racism is violence. Period. So if something violent happens to you, Zatan, no sympathy, none whatsoever. Fuck you forever for this. And that's on period. And I'll just add that, you know, somebody, when you are talking about voodoo and black people shit, don't be surprised if actual voodoo shit actually happens to you. You stupid, fish looking motherfucker. Dumbass. I'm sure, I'm sure the witches are absolutely getting to work hexing his ass and he deserves every bit of it. But let's also talk about, since we're talking about this, let's also quickly just touch on a surprising defense, I think, <laughs> to put it mildly, of Zatan, but not necessarily for the defense itself, but who it came from. Who wants to pick this one up? I'll say let the mighty mank go for I it. Mean, listen, listen <laughs> obviously. The <laughs> milk is overflowing out there in Europe. I was, <laughs> oh, I was severely disappointed <laughs> in Paul. Uh, Pogba for his comments, um, his basically uh, co-signing of Zlatan was fucking repugnant. I think uh, because they are both managed by an equally repugnant agent um, who is money hungry and only wants a fucking commission. That's why he's always telling the media that his players are going to all these other places that are not the current clubs that they play in because all that motherfucker wants is money. Um, he's not a good agent. All he wants is money. He doesn't give a fuck about the player's abilities that he manages. And it's why he, he is... And it, the fact that he's more invested in the uh, reputation of Zlatan and not the career of his black players that he is the agent for is fucking ridiculous. Like, uh, Renola doesn't stick up and doesn't say anything about fucking Black Lives Matter, but as soon as Zlatan gets challenged, he tell you know, he calls Paul Pogba and, and is basically begging him to defend Zlatan. Because I know that call was made. I know Paul didn't want to do that shit on his own. He couldn't give two fucks what Zlatan did because he doesn't play in Italy. 
he's he's actually closer friends with Romelu, so he probably really wanted to defend his boy because he's the reason that Rom actually played at Manchester United. Yeah, exactly. true. That's big that's, facts. Yeah, that's 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 why it was, it was so disappointing. I root for Paul Pogba partially because of all the the hate that he gets from these crazy white Manchester United fans um, who showed their ass again. Um, and that's actually we should go ahead and talk about it because it's it's racism, it's United fans. Um, so Manchester United lost another match at home. United fans were were mad and sad. They decided to target their ire at uh, Axel Twanzebe, who started. I don't know how many times he started. I I forgot he was at United. That's how little time Oli's giving him. And, you know, they lost. They decided to scapegoat this guy. Absurd. It's an absurd uh, pattern that repeats itself over and over again. And is one of the reasons, you know, I, I remember Rashford getting hate mail. Like, it's crazy to me. Um, Neil, you said something about, like, even Martial's fiance was getting threats and hate mail. Yeah. Yeah, like it's I, I this is this is a repeated and recurring thing uh for white united fans, particularly um those who have the audacity to have uh current United players predominantly Harry, they either have Harry Maguire, Scott McTominay, or um Daniel James as their avatar on Twitter, and then have the audacity to get angry at particularly the black players um, and even our recent signee, Alex Tellez. Um, uh, and also Pellestrini, who hasn't played, and they don't like Diallo because, you know, he's unproven, and how dare you compare him to Messi. And it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I already have enough stress dealing with the, you know, the Manchester United board. <laughs> it's just an additional stress to deal with these white British fans who have never seen, you know, who are excited now that the club is actually in the top four again. But at the beginning of the season, we were in the mud and they were sent and they were upset that we could have gotten relegated. Like they were literally saying we, we were going to get relegated because particularly of our black players. And this is a common thing with these fuckers. Um, racism runs like every season. Every season, exactly every season. And if they're not coming for uh, the players themselves, they're coming for their family. They're going on their family's Instagrams and and chatting shit behind private Instagram accounts or you know hooligan Twitter accounts, and the shit's fucking repulsive. And you know, Manchester United puts out a statement every single time it happens and says, say no to racism, and then they kneel for five seconds and they focus more attention on, you know, uh, World War One remembrance than they do on actual black players. Um, but that's a conversation for another fucking episode because um, uh, that also fucking pisses me off. But it's, it's really aggravating um, <laughs> as a you know, as a player, or I'm sorry, as a supporter of a club uh, that has a predominantly white uh, fan base, um, 
and they don't know how to treat their minority players, and they never have. There are obviously players at other clubs. Chelsea comes to mind. Um, uh, you know, I'm glad. You know, none of the players that are at United are at Burnley on loan, um, right. because good lord. <laughs> but still, like at the end of the day, it's just fucking repulsive. Like it's, I, I, I am, I am. Every single season, we are, we see instances where rival fans and like this is the same club who had a chant or song about Romelu's mm. uh, manhood while he was at the club. This is the same club who got angry at Paul Pogba during the Manchester Derby two seasons ago. I know you remember this, John, when he had the blue hair and you, and you obviously remember that match just, just as vividly as I do because, you know, we came back and won. But at the end of the day, like, they, you, know, you know, they got mad at Paul because he changed his hair color to blue and they were like, oh, he wants to transfer. No, he just fucking changed his hair. And guess what? We won that fucking game. Mostly because of him, like he dragged I was just about United to across the line. Didn't <laughs> he, he score did. two? He did. He scored a brace that match, and I think like, that's that's the other thing as well that needs to be mentioned. I'm going to reel off a couple of names here that Manchester United supporters have racially abused. You ready? Paul Pogba, Marcus Rashford, Jesse Lingard, Anthony Martial. And Axel Tuan, uh, is it Tuanzebe? I think is how it's pronounced. Yes, that's correct. Don't leave out Bayi. I'm, you know, he, I'm sure. But, uh, Eric Bayi definitely caught some flack. I'm sure, but like it's like Fred, ha- Fred, oh Fred. Uh, like it's just like maybe, maybe race, maybe football has a racism problem. I'm just, maybe I'm just, I'm just throwing that one out there, like just floating it because at the end of the day, this is a substantial problem. And for my money, a club with the stature, the power and influence that Manchester United has, the fact that you do the same shit over and over again and you don't really deviate from your whole, you know, PR-ness of the whole, you know, reaction to the whole event is fucking cowardice. That's what it is. Like, if I'm a Manchester United supporter, I'm looking at this club as a black person. I'm thinking to myself... Why, why would I even support you anymore? You're not, you're not supporting me. You're not supporting your own players. And you're not standing up for their humanity. You're not even, you, you, even your solidarity practices are fucking basic. Like real basic Becky shit. You understand? So as far as I'm concerned, fuck Manchester United. Because at the end of the day, there is no reason to have this blemish on your record and do nothing about it. Just pretend like this, it's just part of the game. No, fuck that. Get your supporters in order. Get your house in order. Get your shit together. Like, what are you doing? Paul Pogba is in a really, really interesting position because, yes, that defensive Zlatani Ibrahimovic was incredibly disappointing coming from him and everything that he has been through since he has come back to Manchester United. Hell, we can go ahead and factor in the racial abuse that he took while he was down in Juve, right? So I know he knows what it's like. And I know that that position he was in was pretty much an untenable one, but it is what it is. You said what you said, fam. And I really hope, I really hope 
that people start to really look at the gravity of this situation. Because at the end of the day, this is it. This is how ugly it is, right? And as I said before, racism is violence, okay? Before a punch is thrown, you know, any, you know, before any, 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 you know, before anything physically violent happens, the violence that happens is the dehumanization of another human being purely based on the fact that he has a different melanin count than you do. And this is just flat out unacceptable. I am tired of the milquetoast responses to this. This is not what anti-racism praxis is. This is bitch-made practice as far, uh, praxis as far as I'm concerned. So I need all of you, and you know who I'm talking to, I need all of you to find a fucking spine and stand up for what's right. Because there's absolutely no reason for Romelu to be taking this. There's no reason for Paul to be placed in this position. There is no reason for any of the Manchester United players who are black that have to, have to take this from their own fucking their own fucking fans. The people that they're supposed to be playing for. Like, nah, bruv. The social contract is broken now. So as far as I'm concerned, if any one of these men turn around and do a George Weyer, I back that energy all the way. Yeah. I, you know, as the sole United voice um, in the pub, I, at the moment, <laughs> it's frustrating. It, 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 it really is consistently frustrating. Um, as, you know, as an Inter supporter, um, you know, their ultras were when fans were allowed in the stadiums, they were throwing racial epithets at Romelu for not scoring. When um, Moise Keane was playing at Juventus, they were throwing racial epithets and fucking batteries at him. Um, they were throwing batteries at Jesse Lingard taking corner kicks uh, at Stamford Bridge. Like, I, I don't under, I don't think, pe like, it's not just Manchester United, it's the fucking FA. It's, it's the, the Say No to Racism campaign is bullshit, because they take a knee for five seconds in the middle of the pitch, and then the game starts, and then all of that is forgotten on Twitter. Because as soon as uh, Anthony Martial uh, misses a sitter, sitter or uh, Aaron Wambasaka uh, crosses the ball and it goes into the stands that are empty, or uh, Marcus Rashford misses a free kick, like they get an they get shit on as if you know these people who are talking about them have played you know the beautiful game for their entire fucking lives, and these are fucking children. This is the same shit that we dealt with, and I'm going to bring it up again, and I don't give a fuck if they come after us again, but this is the same shit that happened when, you know, we said what we said about, uh, you know, the England captain, um, and, and, you know, the, a certain club supporters uh, came at our uh, podcast, and this is the same, like, this is that same toxic mentality that they are supporting over again. Because they are, because this is the same FA that is hyper fixated 
on focusing on World War One remembrance and is more focused on spending thirty, you know, twenty-five minutes to uh, remember World War One veterans than it than it does about the actual black players playing in the league right fucking now. Yeah, the problem with racism in football is that racism is in society wider, in the wider society, and we make noises in football like we're tackling it, but we're not. When we need to use football as an example of how to tackle racism in society, because you have more controls, right? There's a smaller group who can institute... um, you know, a pushback, right? Um, instead, we get platitudes and slogans. Like, you have absolutes, like, no room for racism. But, like, there's absolutely room for racism. There's racism literally everywhere in football. Like, every ma- like it's it was a really terrible, terrible, terrible list of names. And so I, I feel like, you know, whether it's in Italy or in in England, you know, it is what it is, right? And we'll keep calling it out every time we see it. But, like, you know, still, it still fucks Zlatan Ibrahimovic. For life, bro. And that's what it is. Like, it's weird that they have such a loyalty to remembering all the people that they lost in the war. But they very seldom, if ever, pay proper homage to the black and brown people that Britain had employed. Uh, you know, from the from the Gurpas all the way over to, um, you know, to, to black Britons and things of that nature, that fought and died for, ra- for, for essentially a racist country. You know what I mean? And, and, that, and that, for me, is something that I think it just speaks to the level of rampant, rancid hypocrisy on, 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 the, on the topic of a lot of people who just act as if that racism is just part of the game. So, yeah, you say there's no room for racism, but going back to what Amma said so, so succinctly. No room for racism. Because Black Lives Matter is, is too problematic to, to embrace wholly. They're like, like... And I know it's been a really expletive-laden, uh, you know, rant conversation. But at the end of the day, I keep a full clip. Um, and I keep it tucked. But... It, it's coming out to play because why be diplomatic? Why go ahead and say something eloquent and beautiful and things of that nature when all anybody's going to do is listen to it and be like, mm, yeah, no, he was, you know, this man's spitting. And then you do nothing about it. I'm tired. I'm so fucking sick and tired of this shit. I'm absolutely sick and tired of it. This is my favorite sport in the world. And you know what? I'm tired of having to tune in to my favorite sport in the world. I'm tired of having to follow my favorite sport in the world. And I'm tired of the way that my favorite, um, uh, and, and I'm tired of the way that my favorite sport in the world looks at this anti-black racist nonsense, right? And just says, oh, well, we did everything that we can do. But you didn't do anything. You're not doing enough. Not nearly Absolutely enough. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Really just nowhere enough. I don't understand it. Not even close, Adam. Like, brethren, I am tired. I'm tired of you spineless, dickless bastards. I am so fucking sick of you. I'm just like, you don't deserve to administrate this game. 
You don't deserve to administrate these leagues. You don't deserve to be managers. You don't deserve to be coaches. You don't deserve to even play alongside these men and women, for that matter. And that's a whole other episode for another day, mind, the way the black women are treated in the women's game. But that's, again, another episode for another day. Um, and hopefully we can bring in, you know, some of uh, some, some esteemed black women to go ahead and speak on this. So they can take the lead on that conversation. But my thing about this is that I am tired of you, man, paying lip service. Fuck your lip service. Shit, man. I, I, I wish that every single time that you opened your mouth to speak, knowing that there's going to be absolutely no action behind it, I wish someone would chop your fucking lips off. I'm tired of this shit. It's absolutely grotesque. It's appalling. It's dehumanizing. And it's flat out unacceptable. Either find a spine... Or get the fuck out. Seriously. It's 2021. Okay? Not playing this shit no more. You man will get berated to the point where if you start crying, it's not going to relent. Not for me, at least. And as far as I'm concerned, this shit needs stomping out. It needs curb stomping out. Never to be heard from again. But until you actually do the work... This shit's going to keep happening week in, week out. So f please, for the love of God, find a way to let the people who are actually about this anti-racism life clean this shit up because you can't be bothered to do it. Maybe if you stop counting your fucking money for as long as you do, maybe you stop counting Sky Sports money, maybe you stop counting BT Sport money, maybe if you stop counting ESPN money, maybe if you stop counting NBC money, maybe you might actually have some time to do the things that you're supposed to be doing. Because all of these black players that you seem to pretend to care about, they're making you your bread, bro. Don't get it fucking twisted. The leagues and this sport is as good as it is because of black people. Do not get it twisted, okay? Without us, your whole shit is seasonless. So start putting your money where your mouth is. Either you're anti-racist or you're fucking useless. And that, again, is on what? Period. Now. Speaking of football, Adam, please tell the people about some of the lovely events that we've got coming up this weekend. Absolutely. So speaking about that, I really just wanted to point out, I know uh, just tagging along with what you said, Joseph, want to point out, like, we'll see what they do, remembering that the football, the Premier League just appointed a new kind of like diversity officer or equality officer, I think is what the official title is. Um, a former, a black player, former black player, Ify Onoyura. Uh, if y'all can correct me if I'm incorrect with the pronunciation, but he was just a Onora. appointed. Onora, thank you. Onora, yeah. So yeah, so he was just appointed to, um, you know, the Premier League Equalities Officer, kind of basically the diversity, equality, inclusion officer that we're pretty used to corporately, and that's what he was promoted to. Premier League uh, just did that. So we'll see if they follow through with those actions. That's not just a ceremonial position. If he actually gets some 
some teeth in what he can do and actually trying to improve things. I'm not that faithful, in all honesty, about that. But um, anyway, but in speaking of the Premier League, like Joseph mentioned, we're going to be having a watch-along on uh, the weekend of February 6th and 7th. Um, we're going to be watching along to uh, Liverpool and Manchester City, set for February 7th at 11.30 Eastern Time. So far, it looks like it's going to be on NBSN. Who knows? They might move it to NBC or Peacock. You know how they're crazy. But wherever it is, we're going to be watching it along. So we invite you to join us on social media, join our Discord server. We're going to be there in uh, voice and text just talking about it as we go along. Guys, are you excited about that match coming up? Yeah, but it's Liverpool and City, right? Like, in the match, the matchup, I think, is interesting because, um, you know, Liverpool is on the wane, can't score a goal to save their lives. Well, I guess they scored today. But the, I mean, they sorted and, that out today against Spurs, but it is Spurs. <laughs> it, yeah. Hey, they did what they had to do today. We'll give it. That's kind of convincing with the 3-1 win away at Tottenham, the new stadium. So uh, I'm going to give Liverpool, and Firmino broke uh, kind of a quiet mm-hmm. slump for him as well. Mm-hmm. So this match has a lot going on in this crazy season. I think that, what is it, uh, nine teams have been at the top of the table uh, depending on the match day, which is supposedly a record, and we still got, I think, 18 matches to go, uh, even for the teams that have played the most. I know a couple have games in hand because of the pandemic and the the cup tro- the 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 uh cup um tournaments um that are going on but it, it's a pretty wild this is one of the more entertaining seasons in recent memory correct yeah and i and i, and I appreciate that part of it yeah so I, i'm looking forward to it because the watch along is always great we had like a unplanned watch along um a couple weeks ago and that that i thought went really well so yeah, join us if you can um, on the seventh. Definitely, and we'll we'll as always we'll go ahead and put that out on the uh, on the socials so you, uh, you all are made aware of it. Certainly by the time this episode comes out, um, you know we hope that you know to have a fair few of you coming in and and jamming with us. You know what I mean? Um, it's a big weekend. Uh, I believe it's it's Liverpool City and it's Arsenal and Manchester United. And as I said before, I am. Salivating. <laughs> Just can't <laughs> wait to give it to these Manchester United. Ma- oh my God, I can't wait. Like, yeah, actually, we did a watch along for the last time we had a Manchester United. Smack them. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you won 1 0. Relax. You won 1 0. Relax. Smack you. You won 1 0. Relax. Oh, now, Again. N- now it matters. Now, 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 now the score, score line matters. What? Now the scoreline matters. You matter. couldn't. You couldn't. The scoreline matters. Yeah, the scoreline matters, and here's why it matters. You men, with all of your offensive tools, could not break down one of at that time the worst defenses in the league. How does uh, that make you feel? Uh, because at that time we had uh, Pereira still, you know, was still there. We had Lingard still, uh, you know, still on, there. Uh, I don't think he had... featured in that match. Yeah. Like, like, Hey, let's 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 put that. Put, let's let's put we that. We didn't down. have Cavani. We didn't have Igalo. Oh had, my god! Oh my god! You had these players. Oh, they did not wow! Start. What are you talking about? Uncle oh Odeon my god. makes an appearance. Wow! Bro. That is crazy. I, I haven't given you enough shit for how little time that this man, who's who's 
all about favor over labor. I don't think it's working out for him at United anymore. He's not getting looks. He's not even on the bench. Man just shows up to training for like. He actually already he, he actually ended his loan like last week, so he's already back. Hey, he's back already, you, see? Bad, bad. you see, damn, that's how lost the man has been. Is like okay, you signed Cavani. Obviously, you don't want it. Uh, okay. So that so you get what you deserve. So I mean, granted, it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? Is that not the same day? Is it? I think I think it's Super Bowl Sunday, but we're doing it the watch. February February seventh is Super Bowl Sunday, so it's yeah. it's quite the match day in both I mean, types it's, of football. It's COVID Bowl Sunday. Well, is what it is because not only is it still very much you know a global pandemic, it's being hosted in Tampa in Florida, and they will have. I think they said what fifteen thousand people in 14, the stand. It's fourteen thousand five hundred visitors in Tampa. Go. They're no also way. letting seventy five hundred <laughs> healthcare workers in for free. But the seventy five hundred oh, wow. the seventy five hundred healthcare workers are supposedly vaccinated, but the fourteen thousand five hundred visitors who will get oh, tickets—that's no. not necessarily true. So that's what's happening in Tampa as the Florida resident on the podcast. It's a good time. Tampa's about an hour and a half, two hours, depending on how fast you drive from me here in Orlando. It's crazy. All these people are coming from all parts of this country, if not different parts of the world. I bloody well go back to all those places, picking up all their germs. And I I am going nowhere near Tampa uh, for the next like four weeks. Right, my fellow Florida resident on the podcast. <laughs> Listen, you man, you like man we just... barely go out here in Orlando. So <laughs> that's what it is. You man, just come, just come up to Philly and just be safe, like. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's just it's a place of the country. <laughs> I was just going to put that one out there, but listen, it is cold. Yeah, so people stay their ass inside. <laughs> stay your ass inside where you can turn the heat on. You know what I mean? Like, goddamn. Like at the end of the day, right? This watch along is going to be great. I'm hoping that the two matches promise to live up to their billing. Uh, but apart from anything else, I will take three points off of Manchester United again any day of the week. So let's have it. And when we come back, we will finally end this episode with our favorite segment, our favorite new segment, Armour's Brainchild, Extra Time. Stick around. We're going to play some food bills. The goddamn sauce. Nine different flavors. Same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Hashtag boss up. And we're back. Thanks for continuing to join us here on the Banter Pub FC. Of course, our newest segment, Extra Time, where each of our hosts today will get to touch upon something that really hit them this week, uh, something that really caught their attention. So uh, first up, I just want to ask Amo, what, what caught your attention this week? You got 30 seconds and we'll keep it going. Yo, obviously it's GameStop, it's Robin Hood, it's uh, crying ass hedge fund billionaires. Um, yeah, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, what rock have you been sitting under? And even if you do, um, 
it's just um I love seeing the little guy, you know, take one, take a brick to the bully's face every once in a while. And that's what happened thanks to um, just a little bit of small guy investors. And I say that tongue in cheek because in order to invest, you need disposable income um, in the pandemic. So it's not super small guy. Uh, But we're talking when you talk, we're dealing with the 1%, anybody in the 99 um, is, is on your side. So anyway, uh, that stuck True. out to me this week more than anything else. Absolutely. Appreciate that, Alma. So Jonathan, next up, I'll give you 30 seconds. Let us know what hits you up this week that really caught your attention. Well, we talked about it earlier today, but you know, just the, the passing of, uh, a legend, um, and Cicely Tyson, uh, 96 years old, um legendary actress uh legendary leader legendary activist um lived a very long life um and has inspired uh many many uh black people whether they be in the united states or um across the world so um just want to say um condolences to our family and friends um and rest, rest in eternal peace, uh, Cicely Tyson. Rest in eternal peace. Absolutely. We respect the black legend. Um, not only a black American legend, but a legend to the African diaspora, Cicely Tyson. Next up, want to ask, Joseph, what is something this week uh, that caught your attention that uh, moved you in a certain way? I would like to say a hearty fuck you to Marjorie Green. Uh, whatever the fuck your name is, Taylor um, Green. Yeah. yeah, Marjorie Taylor Green. Whatever the fuck your name is, fuck you, you absolutely rancid twat. I just want to let everybody know that th- what her her display categorically proved is that she is one hundred percent the finest coward that I have ever seen in American politics, and that's saying something because Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley exist. So here's the thing. Okay, Marjorie went ahead and harassed David Hogg. David Hogg, if you don't know who he is, is somebody who survived the Parkland shooting down in Florida. Since then, he's somebody that has become something of a bit of a stalwart in terms of being able to really push for gun control. And Marjorie thought in her esteemed. I won't even call it wisdom. In her esteemed idiocy, she thought it would be fine to go ahead and harass this kid, right? Um, as he's walking to a meeting in the Capitol building, um, and then when they get in the Capitol building, she is still following this person with a camera person. This is somebody who is a QAnon um, advocate. She's somebody who is pro-Trump. She is somebody who is absolutely rancid. I just want to say to everybody out there, I don't care if it's Greta Thunberg, David Hogg, if you're actually out here harassing these kids, but then you have nothing to say when the parents roll up, mm-hmm. you, are an, you are a total coward. You are, you're worse than a coward. You are scum. And I really, really hope that the United States Congress finally grows a spine and expels this horrible, horrible woman. Get rid of her. She is not fit for anything. 
your lips to the creator's ears. Neil, next up, what do you have that moved you this week um, uh, that touched you and that caught your attention? Well, I think, uh, you know, I'd be remiss. Uh, we lost, uh, the it, Black Americans lost two legends recently. Um, uh, nationally, we lost Cicely Tyson at, at, as of this recording, but several days ago, uh, we lost a legend in baseball uh, in Hank Aaron. Um, Hammerin' Hank Aaron, um, in, uh, not only one of the most influential figures in baseball history, one of the most influential figures in the state of Georgia, in Atlanta Braves history, in uh, connecting black players to um, uh, just giving them the strength and something to uh, believe in and, and you know watch tape on. You know, this man was a legend. Um, Hank is uh, dearly missed, and uh, condolences to his family, the city of Atlanta, the state of Georgia, and the Braves organization, who also need to change their name. But that's a but we're not that podcast. Cool. And yo, know, I will touch upon that. Thank you, Neil, for that. Um, appreciate everybody listening. And just the one thing that caught my attention this week, just like we said, we lost those two black legends, and yes, the Atlanta baseball team should change their name to the hammers in honor of hank aaron but uh the other thing that caught my attention is just um the midst of social media challenges uh we've been inside for 10 and a half months it's crazy how people have been trying to make their expressions known and be productive with their time and there's some miserable people on the internet who've been knocking that and it's crazy because basically the uh, a section of our community, black women, who get uh, basically not re- disrespected the most, um, just kind of find ways to find joy and whatever. And we still find people who are miserable about that joy. And just want to say, oh, just respect your time. You can scroll past what people try to do with their productive time in the midst of a pandemic, 10 and a half months. It's crazy how people choose to clock um what other people do with their time when it doesn't even affect them so anyway glad to have you with us this time on the banter pub fc again we thank you for listening to another episode with us again you know we're the sauciest team in the game the spiciest takes on the pitch be sure to follow us on instagram and twitter at the banter pub fc also please follow and subscribe to us on youtube and twitch because we know we're coming with uh, new content um every week and if you like what you've heard please be sure to like subscribe follow and review us on your favorite platform for ama jonathan joseph neil myself adam we thank you for joining us we'll see you next time at the banter pub have a good one